Wake your ass up. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. It's time. I mean, Sean, you were twerking. That's gonna happen. <laughs> Murph, don't be a dick all your life. This is uh, one, of, one of the more fun podcasts I've ever done. Hey, I'll tell you what, if you're not talking about sports in the man cave, you, no, I bet not, so you're not a man. That's it. Well, happy 2021, the first episode of this new year, and there's a new hashtag called All Gas, No Breaks. Steve Sarkeesian, a new era begins at Texas with the Texas football program. We'll talk a lot about that in segment two. But uh, we got to give much love to our loyal listeners in France, Guam, and Australia now. So we have listeners down under now, gentlemen. Hardball Harge, Big Mike, Coach Mo is uh, training young up-and-coming athletes. Episode 51, you can talk to us on that Stories Man Cave on the Twitter site. And we got to give a big props to... Harge's podcast as well, the Harge Knocks Life. Give him a listen on that as Appreciate well. Appreciate that, brother. Appreciate Absolutely, that. Absolutely, man. We got to do to get an invite to be like a guest on that one. Right? <laughs> yeah. who, who we got to know. My, my, my checking in my savings. My checking in my savings ain't matching up right now. <laughs> you were kidding. I got to talk to your assistant. Got to see the email her and say, "Hey, how can I?" You know it. <laughs> Well, you know how we do it here on Stories Inside the Man Cave. We try to discuss stories and bring uh, friends, uh, big-name guests, and just people who have great stories. And today we have a, a guy I've known since 1992, uh, Jay Bulware. He has uh, returned to Austin to coach at his alma mater, Texas, this past season. And he's actually one of the bigger names as far as the fraternity of assistant coaches in college football. Nine different programs. Actually coached under his former college coach, John Makovic, uh, twice. And Kyle Whittingham, Gene Chiswick. And at OU under Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley. Jay Bulware, you are inside the man cave. How many stories are you prepared to deliver today? <laughs> Well, it depends on what you ask. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. How about we, you know, we talk about your title, uh, you, your expertise in special teams coordinating tight ends and, and that role as a co-head coach. And, you know, there's so many elements to this job. But let's begin with the elephant in the room. Bellis, the blessing to return to your alma mater. How tough is it coaching here in Austin, opposed to being a player? And what makes that Texas, working at Texas, that job, such a pressure cooker? That's our perception on the outside, that is. Well, uh, first of all, uh, you know, it was truly a blessing for me and my family uh, to have an opportunity to come back on the 40 acres. Yeah. Um, when you're a football coach, man, you're – you're always in a pressure cooker. And if you're not, then it's the wrong place. <laughs> I like the pressure cooker. I, I enjoy, I enjoy, um, you know, just, you know, the fan involvement, you know, I enjoy it mattering to people. Um, that, that makes it exciting for me. You know, I'm, I'm a competitive, competitive person, uh, just like most coaches are. We're, we're fierce competitors and, uh, we, we want the best and we want to do the best job we can possibly do. And, and Austin's no different than that. Um, it, it, I had the same pressure every year at that other school up north. Um, 
Uh, and, and it's the same thing. I mean, literally every that other school here. That's fine. yeah. That, at that other school. That's exactly right. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you this, you know, you, you, you mentioned it and now I'm looking at, you know, you said that other school, now you're back here as a former player, you went through something that a lot of people don't really understand. And that's the arrhythmia of the heart where you ended up having to give up your playing career and it got you on the fast track to coaching. So tell us a little bit about how you came about that and what you have done since then. Oh, wow. Uh, man, that's a long, long time ago. Many, many moons ago, uh, I was a player here uh, at the University of Texas. And uh, uh, I, I thought, you know, uh, I was about to have a positive uh, uh, career here, I guess. And, um, you know, somewhere uh, between my redshirt sophomore year um, and my red, and my, and my redshirt freshman year, uh, I uh, – we found out that I had an arrhythmia. It's right in the middle of training camp, actually. Um, and uh, that forced me out of football. And I had no idea that I even had this arrhythmia. You know, it, w- it wasn't something that I felt or, you know, you could sit there and say, okay, well, you can't do this anymore. It was just something that was located or detected because I, um, I had gotten really sick. And um, to make a long story short, man, it, it – it ended up, you know, just like everything else in my life, man, when God closes one door for you, he opens another. And uh, that's what happened there. You know, I didn't realize it. I, I remember Roger Walker telling me, uh, one of my former teammates uh, telling me, man, I don't know how you did that. You know, I don't know how you were able to overcome that arrhythmia and not being able to play football after you play football all your life. And then you turn it into a coaching career. And I, I just, I, I don't know either. <laughs> I just really kept my head down and, and, and it just felt like that God was really just leading me to my next step in, in, in life. And uh, that's kind of the way my whole life has gone. Uh, I've just been kind of directed from path to path, place to place. And, and it's, been, it's been him who's taken me from, from one step to another. I can't take any credit for it. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just his vehicle. You know, I'm just his, I'm just the person that he's he's using to to do the things that he has me doing. So that's kind of kind of how my life has gone. So, yeah. coach, I got to ask you. You know, you've you kind of I was gonna kind of you know piggyback on what Hard's you know question was about that and kind of like your mentality of how you you know all of a sudden you can't play, but then you kind of answered it. You put your head down and this and that. So I'll just kind of flash forward. Give us kind of like a rundown of what recruiting is like as a coach now and in, in the modern day it's social media versus like the stuff you kind of went through when you were being recruited back in the day well it, it, recruiting is an ever-evolving uh process right now you know with all the different ways that you know we have now to you know to communicate with the kids that's changed you know we used to not be able to text message them Oh shoot, man! It's probably ten short yards, ten short years ago. Um, but now we're able to to text message them before we're actually able to call them. And uh, so the the whole dynamics with social media, uh, name, image, and likeness, uh, just everything is ever evolving right now in recruiting. And if you don't stay ahead of it, you're going to get behind. You know, uh, I had a friend of mine used to say all the time, recruiting is like shaving. If you don't do it every day, it'll show. And uh, I've lived my life since I've heard him say that uh, by, the, by that mantra. 
Um, I don't live my life by the tabloids and what people say is a great player and this is that, this, that, and the other. I recruit guys that I go out and put my eyes on physically and see what they can do, as well as obviously uh, tape verification. But but there's nothing like seeing a guy in person do what you want him to do, because then you know it's it's it's, it's the consistency factor for me. You know how often is he doing it? Is he doing it over and over again? How is he practicing? How is he working out? You know the coach is having to get on him. How does he learn? I mean, there's just so many different factors. There, quite honestly, there's a lot of coaches in this profession that don't really do that. Uh, they just chase the stars. And then what ends up happening is you get a bunch of stars on your team and you wonder, well, why is it this team any good? It's got a bunch of four and five star guys. Well, sometimes those four and five star guys aren't better than those four star guys that maybe not as much publicity or maybe even a three star guy. Uh, so uh, I think that's evident in my recruiting um, philosophy. I think a lot of times you see, well, maybe this guy wasn't the number one guy in the country, but what is he doing now that he's actually playing? Well, he's an right. all-conference player. He's about to go to NFL, and you know, and and hindsight's twenty twenty. But you don't get the credit for it in hindsight. You get the credit for it right when you first sign that kid. So people don't always know the the truth behind who people really are and how they really play. And 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 that's not the case with uh, with me. I just and with all good coaches, I think they all go out and really spend some time looking at the prospects that they're going after. And I think that's the difference. And today, as compared to before, you know, you have a lot of opportunities to physically see kids do things. You, you, the, the tape is endless. You know, you mm -hmm. can hear a kid's name and you can pull them up right away. Uh, you don't have to have anybody send you film on the guy. That's, that's old school. Hey, I can send you film on this guy. I don't need film. <laughs> I got, I've got I got huddle. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, huddle. I, I got huddle. I got huddle. Or I could just Google him a lot of times and pull up his highlights and they show up. So. Um, as well as, like you say, huddle. You can get game tape uh, to verify a lot of things as well, too. So it's just it's just so much easier now to recruit than it used to be. I remember carrying carrying uh, VCR tapes, you know, on the road <laughs> oh, yeah. recruiting and, and return envelopes, you know, and I'm stopping by all these kids that I thought that were good players, and I'm dropping off these tapes with these coaches and begging them, hey, please, make me a copy and send this back to me so that so that I can show our staff what this kid looks like on film. And that's how hard it used to be, you know, really? and it's not that way. Yeah, it was, it was really, really challenging, especially at some of the places like where I started. I never remember, I never forget recruiting a guy by the name of Michael Turner, who some people may know at this yeah. area, but I mean, he played, he played a lot. Talking about the running back, baller, Michael Turner? Baller Michael the, Turner. Yeah, running back. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta Falcons, Michael Turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so, you know, back then when you're recruiting, you don't get, you know, you weren't recruiter of the year and all this stuff like that. You were just doing your job. So I remember recruiting him, and I had this tape from this high school head coach, and, and I'm sitting in there uh, at that school probably half a day. I said, I coach, I'm going to wait until you make this tape, and I'm going to take it back to uh, Northern Illinois with me. You know, I'm not going to wait for, for you to – send this to me because I believe this kid's a good player and uh, sure enough he, he was a good player you know and, oh, yeah. uh, and 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 that's just how it used to be you know so so that's the world that 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 we used to live in and and this is the world that we're living in now with IG Twitter uh and then all, all kind of I gotta I gotta ask you coach you gotta piggyback on it real quick when you're going into five star and four star you know recruits houses and, and being a special teams like coach are you like look the depth chart is is deep. 
you know, you're going to, you're going to get on the field with me. You know, I'm going to put you as gunner. We're going to, you're going to get down there and make some tackles or is it like, Hey, you got to earn your spot regardless. Like what's, what's the pitch? Well, first and foremost, let me say this. I'm a ball coach. Right. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a foot. I'm not a special teams coordinator. Here's I'm not a tight end coach. I'm not a running back coach. You know, I've coached I'm O-line coach. I've coached all those positions, right, uh, in my however long I've been doing this. Um, I'm a football coach. So when I look at players, I tell them, I look at, I tell them that, hey, yeah, you, you, you can play on special teams right away. Or you, you might be a guy that can come in and play offensively and defensively for us right away. I mean, it really, it really depends on the kid and what you believe he is and, and, and whatnot. So – that, that's all different according to which kid you're looking at. But uh, uh, as I carried that special teams title, there was times where guys would ask me, hey, tell this guy you're going to play him as a returner and this, that, and the other. And so, you know, those are some of the conversations that you do have with guys. But, but you know, overall, kids don't want to hear about playing special teams. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that right. <laughs> that, that ain't what they're interested in. You know what I mean? That ain't, hey, you, I, I'm not going to get a whole lot of recruits to come to – come to whatever school you know telling them hey you could play special teams for us that's not the selling point the selling point obviously is for those guys to to come there to be a star and and every great player thinks that he's going to be a star that's the problem that you have with uh with guys right now you know that's why so many kids are in the transfer portal because they all believe they're great players you know right and uh you know some of them don't know that hey you know you are a great player but you need to continue to work or you are a great wait your player. turn. You there's people ahead time. of you type of stuff. Yeah. yeah, there's people ahead of you type of stuff, man. And sometimes, you know, kids have that patience and sometimes they don't. But it's through the relationships that you have with the parents and the kid, you know, that the parents tend to, you know, end up trusting you. I, I mean, I had that same problem at my last uh, spot at that other school where I had, you know, great player after great player after great player. By the way, I love it when you say that. By the way, the other school, yeah. (laughs) So you, so you didn't tell Bijan Robinson that he was playing special teams. That's not what sold him at the university. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing. Well, well, you know, you're exactly right. And I was recruiting Bijan Robinson at that other school uh, until I filled up. And uh, and trust me, that the word special teams never even came out of my mouth. As I'm sure it didn't come out of Stan Drayton's mouth either. It was it was special player, not special teams. Hey, hey, that's Jay, exactly right. Jay, we keep alluding to that other school um, on the other side of the Red River. Uh, you know, we've had these conversations on the phone before and in text. You know, it, it's it's kind of interesting. And you mentioned where God has a plan for all of us, and we follow it. But you've worked for some phenomenal head coaches. One conference championships, uh, national title under Chiswick. And now that you've seen both sides of the Red River on the coaching side, what's the difference in the jobs and maybe the culture between Texas and OU? And if you're up there, it's OU Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Texas OU all day down here, brother. You know <laughs> you know the deal. Um, coming well, from a Longhorn. Yeah, <laughs> coming from a Longhorn all day, every day. There's that's yeah. When you change. when you get done answering that, coach, also follow up. How was it being a, a Texas guy coaching at OU after that? Let's let's start there because the other one's a little bit challenging. Uh, <laughs> how to say? Uh, well, coaching. Hey, put it this way. All right, my very first Texas OU game. I'm at that other school, and uh, one of the guys that comes to my wet that that was that was in my wedding. 
uh, guy by the name of Stoney Clark comes to the game and he is sitting by all the wives in the <laughs> other school's family section. And, and he came to me after the game. Now, Texas won that game, my very first one, by the way. Um, it was Mac Brown's last, uh, last Texas OU game. Um, uh, and uh, anyway, my point being is he came to, he came to me after that game. He said, Jay, I had no idea what you were dealing with <laughs> until now. He said, I, I, I had no idea how hard this is for you to be at Oklahoma um, and, and go through this day in and day out. And, um, and I just told him, I said, hey, man, <laughs> you know what? They're paying the bills right now, brother. <laughs> hey, there's no crimson. There's no burn horns. There's, yeah, there's, there's money there's talks, bullshit day. walks, man. That's, That's exactly a factual right. statement. <laughs> and and on top of that, I, I, you know, it's like we said earlier, I was working for a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. And I wanted to know that for myself, which leads me to the next question. What is the difference in, you know, what Bob Stoops at the time was doing compared to the other coaches? Because to be quite honest with you, they, they were, they were still the, the, the toast of the, of the big 12. You know, when I left Texas, Texas was big 12 champions. That was the last, my last impression you know, the very first Big 12 championship belongs to Texas in 1996. I was a tight end coach and, and GA that, that year. I uh, had players by the name of, you know, Derek Lewis, Pat Fitzgerald, uh, D. Scott. I mean, all those guys were my guys, Chris Smith. And anyway, so make a long story short, they were Big 12 champs. You know, James Brown was quarterback. You know, Ricky was a, was a running back. Um, Priest Holmes had a phenomenal day, Please. you know. Yeah, yeah, at, uh, at, at the Big 12 championship. And my tight end actually caught the winning – well, it wasn't the winning pass. Lewis? But the, the, yeah, D. Lou. D. Lou caught the roll left pass from JB, you know, to, uh, to basically put the game away. You know, and I remember being so nervous when that was called, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> D. You know, this ball Please catch the ball. Away. Please catch the ball. Yeah. Hey, it's coming to one of my guys in my room because that's like a, you know, a three tight end set. And, uh, you know, other than the two tailbacks that were in that formation, those, that's, that's it. That was all the skill players. No Wayne McGarity, no – none of those other guys. It was, it, was, it was Derek Lewis, it was Pat Fitzgerald, and D. Scott were the three tight ends plus Ricky Williams. And maybe – I guess maybe Ricky Brown was the other back. I don't know. But, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, that, that whole ordeal was, was what I left Texas with. Okay. And then, then, then 20 years later, I get to Oklahoma and Bob's still there. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, they have all these championships and, and whatnot. And so I shared some of those thoughts, uh, when I first got to Texas this past or last year, uh, with the coaching staff and told them, Hey, this is what they were doing. But what I didn't know is at the time, which I do know now is what they were doing compared to what Texas was doing. Right on the practice field, you know, in, in the meeting rooms every day, how much time did they allot to this, you know, until I actually have gone through it, you know, I didn't know the difference, right? I, I just had, hey, this is what OU did. I didn't know what Texas did. Well, now I know what Texas did last year under the previous regime compared to what OU did, you know, or what OU is doing probably still uh, in, in order to continue, uh, you know, hate to say it, but continue winning the Big 12 over and over again. And that's what they're doing. Well, that's that's a fact. I mean, that's what I was going to say is, you know, like it's it's Oklahoma's conference. As much as Texas wants to be like, hey, we're there, 
we're not there. It's Oklahoma up and down. And, and until we get to, I guess, what OU is, is doing up – the other school, sorry. Uh, what they're doing up there, I, I mean, I think that's kind of like as the fan base, right? We're frustrated because it's like I know that – we all know we're good. But why aren't we getting to these levels that that are at, you know, other schools are at, I guess? Well, I, I, I believe this. You know, it starts first and foremost. You know, let me just go back and say this. You know, I mean, we failed last year. You know, we failed. And we didn't get it done. And that's something that each and every coach that was on that staff needs to swallow that pill as they are. And they, they will. Uh, you know, we can sit there and say, well, you know, you know, you, you end up nice and, you know, you, you win six or seven games, whatever it was, and you win your bowl game and this, that, and the other. I mean, when you're at Texas, and this is just what I believe, we're Texas. You know, we're Texas. You know, to me, you could ask everybody. I mean, I didn't ask all my guys in the tight end room. I, I, I didn't even really want to, you know, get in there and take pictures and all. I mean, that, that didn't excite me. Mm. That didn't motivate me at all, you know. And, and, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one, but that's just how I felt. And I told the guy, I said, this is not what I'm hunting. This is not why I came back to Texas. I didn't come back to Texas to win an Alamo Bowl. I came back to Texas to win a championship. And that's what I want to do. And uh, whether I get an opportunity now or later, I'm going to do it. I'm going to win championships here at this, at this university some way, oh, somehow. Yeah. Because that's what, yeah. that's what I'm about. You know, I'm about championships. And, I, and, I, and, and when, I, when I left here, I was, I was a champion. I was a Big 12 champion when I left here. And it took me – you know, four or five years to get back on to another school where I can honest, honestly say, hey, we're competing for a championships again. You know, you have to go through the, the ranks of, of, of football and learn ball and, you know, and continue to grow and all that stuff. And, and then I finally got back to another school uh, where, where we're competing for a championship. And then I go to OU and then we just run off several in a row. And, um, and that's what it is. But, but we're Texas. And, and, and it's not that we're not like the other schools. We're just a sleeping giant right now. And we're about to be, a, you know, you're about to be woke. You know what I mean? We're about to be woke. And I believe in, in uh, you know, what, what the CDC is doing and, and Coach Sark and, 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 and what his staff's going to do. I think they're going to help bring Texas back to where it should be. Because, again, you know, it's not about, you know, these other schools are doing what we're not doing. It's about, you know, what, what, what do we need to do to get better each and every day to put ourselves at that level? And I think that's the direction they're in. We're talking to Jay Bullware, lifetime Longhorn, the man with the plan, and I'm enjoying this conversation as I know that my, my, my guy Sean Clinch and hat boy Mike uh, from Last Stands, Mike Murphy, getting it done. But I wanted to ask you this. I wanted to ask you this, Jay, because I know – that this is a, a trying time, that the, the changes have happened at the university and you're trying to figure out what's next for Jay Bullware. But when you, you said it just a second ago, you talked about the fact of, you know, Coach Sark coming in, CDC getting ready, to, you know, trying to grow and get Texas back on the map. In your estimation, and I don't want you to use your coach speak, I want you to use your your Longhorn Nation speak, what needs to happen to get this, this thing back on track? Because I know as a coach, you see things and you want things to happen and things don't happen and you're in the meeting room and you're voicing your opinions and people and 
we're, we're, you walk those hallways. And I talked to our man, Norman Watkins. I talked to Sir Rod Walker. I talked to guys like yourself that have walked that hallway. And you know what it's like. You said it. When you left the university, you were a Big 12 champion. And what do you right. see as a fan of the University of Texas? Lifetime Longhorn, what do you think needs to happen? Work. Work ethic at practice is the thing that I've noticed the most. I think we need to grind and grind and grind and practice like like it's a game every single time. You know, I mean, and I don't mean be be dumb, you know, uh, and, and get people hurt. But I mean, I mean, work hard, uh, you know, you know, lay out for that football. You know what I mean? If it's coming your way, practice making great plays. The only way you're going to make a great play in a game is if you practice making it in practice in practice. You know what I'm saying? And so I, that's yep. the thing that I see, you know, you know, and, 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 and if I ever had the opportunity again, I'm going to make sure that that's, that's something that we all understand. You know, we have to work hard in practice, every single practice, you know, it's all about working, man. And that's what, that's what, that's what's going on up North, you know, um, and that's what needs to be going on down here. So that's, that's really awesome you said that, Coach. I'm not going to lie to you. That's exactly what people need to hear, right? So do you think, you know, Coach Sark is going to bring that? Obviously, that was probably one of the selling pitches, I'm assuming, when Brandon getting the job was, look, I've been at Alabama, and I see what it is to win championships from one of the best coaches of all time, one of the college best, you know, college coaches of all time. Um, what do you, how do you think that's going to flow for him? Like, as a coach and a new coach coming in to a new system, he's – Clearly, you know, everybody has a past. Um, you know, how, does, how do you think that's going to be navigated and, and what's the vibe that goes with that? Well, you know, I can't speak for Coach Sark or, or what he's going to do or not do. I know this. He's at Alabama. And for what I, what I understand, um, you know, those guys over there from, from my days in the SEC, and I know some coaches on their staff, obviously. Mike Stoops, Stoops is currently on their staff, right? Um, I know, I know a guy named Jeff Banks. I know, I know Coach Huff. I know, I know a lot of guys on that staff because I've been around quite a bit, as you guys well know. And I hear they they work really, really hard in practice. Like you can believe how hard they work. You know, I thought the same thing. You know, at that other school where I left to, I thought I thought those guys worked really hard, and uh, to the point where I'm like, man, you know, <laughs> wow, you know, hey, you you okay? Yeah, we're okay. Let's keep going. You know, so uh, that that's that's what it is, and so I don't know what Sark, Coach Sark's going to do, and and with his staff, that's 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 the direction that he has to take his team. You know, wherever he plans on going, going with it. So uh, I'm not there. I'm not part of the staff at this point. So I just, you know, whatever whatever he's going to do uh, with his staff, uh, that that's what that's what he has in mind. But I know this: he's coming from Alabama, and he's seen them do it. <laughs> so just like I saw Oklahoma you know, do what they did. And uh, when you come from programs like this, it's like this. When your mind has been stretched out by a new idea, it never returns to its original form ever again. And that's kind of the way my career has gone as I've, you know, obtained knowledge from different places that I've been. Jay Boulware, it is time to get to know you a little better as not only a football coach, but from your memories, we call this a little hot seat Q&A session. So you, you mentioned uh -oh. hard, yeah, hard uh, drop Norman Watkins and uh, Sir Rod's name. Uh, let's go back to 1994. 
Uh-oh. How about a story involving the Storm and Norman and Sir Rod while playing at Texas when you were there with them? Oh, gosh, I probably remember um, just the whole, you know, the, the bowl game that we went to uh, in, in 94, which was the Sun Bowl. Um, you know, Rod, Rod had, had a chance to play quite a bit in that game. Norman, Norman had been playing. You know, Norman and I go back. Well, we all go back. We're all from Irving. I don't know if you realize that. Right. Yep. Uh, Rod and I went to the same high school. Norm and I have been playing against each other since junior high. <laughs> I, I remember when he moved in, we were playing basketball. And I'm like, who is this dude? He wasn't on their football team. Who, who is this guy? And uh, Norm and I ended up being really, really close friends. And we came, came to Texas together. I actually think I kind of nudged him a little bit. to come. Hey, come on, man. I'm going to Texas. You know, we took trips down here. We, were, we came to the, uh, uh, the, uh, the UH game uh, back when, uh, was it Klingler? Yeah. Uh, they were like number one and number two in the country in 1990. Yeah. Uh, the, whatever it takes. Yeah. Shock the nation uh, tour. And, uh, and we came to that game down here in Austin together, uh, as well as, uh, you know, we came on our official visit here together and a couple, a couple other places as well. So uh, there's just so many memories, man. I can't really single out any, but I guess, you know, the last one, you know, cause that was Rod's last year. And I think that was Norm's last year too. Uh, because he came in and did not red shirt. Um, he played he right away. He was too good to red shirt, he said. He was, he was, too, <laughs> he was too good to red shirt. Him and, uh, <laughs> him and uh, uh, one other guy, uh, I think it was, uh, may he rest in peace, Joey Ellis. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they, neither one of those two red shirted. I think just about every, every other guy, all the old linemen, myself, Blake Brockemeyer, uh, John Elmore, you know, I mean, all those guys, we all red shirted that year. And so, you know, the guys that didn't redshirt left in 94. They weren't a part of the 95 championship, but, but uh, they all had their own part in it, as you well know. I mean, coming off of that Sun Bowl win, uh, that was huge for, the, for, for Texas. And it kind of catapulted the, the program into uh, the last Southwest Conference championship in 95, which is, which is the one we won uh, when we went down there and beat a and beat, beat those Aggies at their field. I'll never forget that game. Uh, as well so so that that's really probably the best I can do with those guys because at that time you got to really I, I transitioned to being a student assistant coach by then right and so I was looking at things from a different perspective from a different lens um, than just say hey, these are my boys you know they're, they're all good this that I'm looking at hey man you need to get that first step down <laughs> you know and all that type of stuff so I'm looking at it from a whole different different light um uh, from that point going forward, because 93 was my last year playing. I'm happy for you, dog. I mean, I'm really, really happy for you. And I'm glad that you are having these, uh, I guess you would say, big moments in your life. But some of the things that I wanted to ask you about is you talked about being at the Red River. You talked about being on one side. You talked about being on the other side. Give us your best. I mean, and you can't use Stony Clark. <laughs> uh, you can't use Norm Watkins on the play at the goal line. What is one of your favorite memories? And I know you're probably gonna say Derek Lewis making that catch, but what is one of your favorite memories of your time at the University of Texas? Ooh, University of Texas favorite memory. Okay, um, man, for me. 
it was Priest over the top, right? In 94, Woo! that same year. Against same Mac game. Brown. Against Mac Brown, that same year. I mean, to me, that that whole game, you know, again, you know, Texas was 90 Southwest Conference champs. Well, in 91, 92, 93, we did nothing, right? We did nothing. And in 94 was kind of when we finally started turning the corner. And that priest over the top, you know, was kind of a defining moment because I think that was for the, the seal to win. You know, I mean, it kind of either put it out of reach or it was it, was it or whatever. I remember that, you know, uh, like it was yesterday. You know what I mean? And so – um, that's probably one of my one of my most cherished moments. There wasn't a championship moment, uh, you know. Like you said, I don't mention the Derrick Lewis catch and all that stuff. So I, I mention the stuff that preceded that, which is that priest over the top, man. That that was a that was a beautiful moment. Or how about this? When I first saw Tony Brackens in '95 run down a run down the quarterback from Hawaii from behind, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. I mean, he ran him down from behind. You know, and then that that was like that's a that's a pretty good player, and then that's Ricky's first year too. I remember him rushing for close to a thousand that year. So I mean, there's so many, so many good, great memories that I have uh, from being a Longhorn and being a part of this program. Uh, you know, certainly, if not physically, but 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 emotionally, you know, my heart has always been here. And um, you know, so they're they're all great moments to me, and uh, I remember them like they were yesterday. All right, enough of these weak ass questions. Let's get some real stuff that people really want to. Oh, wow. Hear. wow! All right, let's. All right, let's. Let's get real. Mayonnaise or mustard? Ketchup or mustard? Does ranch go on pizza? Vodka <laughs> or or whiskey? <laughs> and then, in all seriousness, after that, like, which school were you going to commit to if you weren't going to go to Texas? Uh, let me start backwards and work my way. Uh, always Texas for me. I knew it. Um, I, I can feel it, you know, from the time that they offered. Uh, uh, Roger could already come here. He's a year older than me. And um, it, it just it just kind of struck me differently. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I just represent the state of Texas uh, at this institution. And uh, when I saw it, I just fell in love with it. I really did. So, it, you know, I took all five of my visits, but this is the place I wanted to go no matter what. I actually told him I was coming before I took my final visit. I said, hey, look, I'm coming. I didn't want to miss out, you know, and uh, and they said, okay, all right, good, you know, you still taking that trip? I'm like, yeah, my parents want me to take it, so I'm going down there, but if you don't want me to, I'll tell them, hey, they got to cancel their trip. <laughs> so it was always Texas for me. Um, and then the most important thing, mayonnaise or mustard? Mayonnaise. <laughs> if that's a legitimate question. <laughs> Oh, that is a legitimate yeah. question. What are you talking about? Some people despise mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is great. Mayonnaise is great. Uh, I like ketchup over everything else, though. Uh, and then what was the last one about the alcohol? Vodka or what? If, if, if you drink. If you don't drink, it's okay. But, I mean, would you prefer vodka or do you prefer whiskey? I'm a vodka guy. Or are you a Tito's. beer guy? Tito's. Tito's. Now, when I, yeah. when I was in college. Deep you know, Eddie, man. Deep Eddie. <laughs> I like Deep Eddie too. I'm I'm a, I'm actually a connoisseur at times. Uh, I I I dabble a little bit in all kind of uh, different vodkas, but uh, my my favorite is the homegrown Tito's. Um, uh, and then what what did we say the last one was? I'm sorry, I keep losing track. 
my train of thought. That's because well, that's my fault. I, I asked you like thirty questions. That's my fault. <laughs> I got excited. Does does ranch go on pizza? Uh, well, yeah, you can ha- you can use it. That's not necessary. Uh, oh, I, coach, come I'm, on, I'm, man, it is necessary. You can't have pizza without ranch. No, you're talking to somebody that went to Italy and actually had real pizza, right? Ooh, so, okay, uh, now we're just name dropping places we've been in the world, and now that's just Elite palate, in my opinion. Yeah, palate. So, so you've had real pizza. You. Yeah, I've had real pizza, dog. So I mean, I and you don't need anything on that pizza at all. So JB JB does not go to Mr. Gaddy's buffet ever. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, That's how we wrap funny. things up? We have all of our guests that have uh, jump on inside the man cave to tell their man cave story. It could be anywhere. Something you remember in a locker room, a story that maybe you share with a few of you guys or people close to you that's entertaining. And uh, what would that man cave story be for you, Jay? Well, uh, this is kind of funny, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. I remember there being a tradition here on your birthdays that you literally got spanked by everybody on the team, you know, when they found out it was your birthday. That was my freshman year. So I don't know. If I was like, when was this? Was this pre like pre you know, 2020? Well, you know, there's a little bit of hazing and whatnot that goes along now that, it, that people don't allow, 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 allow that to happen anymore. So I'm, right. not sure, I'm not sure if that falls under that, that umbrella or not. But I remember coming here and seeing guys get their butts just spanked to death in the locker room, right, when it was their birthday after practice. And so uh, – the one story came to my mind. There was only one guy that, that, that ever really kind of fought everybody off. And he kind of sat in the, in the corner and just defended himself. And uh, there was a guy by the name of Anthony Curl. And I, I was so impressed with <laughs> yeah. Anthony Curl that day. I'll, I'll never forget that. But then my day came. And, 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 and I'm right on the edge. It was right before we played the Aggies. My birthday's in November. So uh, November 26th. And I remember Shane Dronette finding out that it was my birthday yes exactly you, you could put you could put all this for, together now that i'm starting to tell you who these guys were okay so shane jornet looks over at me and says happy birthday bowler and i look at him and he smiles and gives me a wink and i'm like oh my gosh i'm gonna get beat you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's you know it was shane jornet it was james Patton, tommy jeter i mean like all oh, bo robinson was still here you had you some know, grown men whooping your ass on your birthday <laughs> <laughs> well hold up now hold up now that's what would have happened had i not ran out of the locker room before they even got <laughs> no shower no nothing i'm like heck no i'm like i'm not fouling all these guys and because literally, like, I mean, it's like a free-for-all. Once somebody gets you down, I mean, everybody's coming in with the, with the tomahawk spank, you know. So, I oh, yeah. like, I'm, I, I'm not doing that, man. I remember going into – we had, like, a little freshman locker room. Man, I threw my pads off threw, real quick, threw my clothes on, and ran back over to Jester before those guys even got in the locker room, man. It was so funny. I'm like, man, I am not getting beat today. So, that, that, that's probably my biggest story. Uh, uh, in the man cave that used to happen here at UT back in the day with the boys, man, I remember that. It, it's it's a fond memory. So I had just to just to tell you that, man. I had in high school up in Boise, same thing. They used to tape dudes yeah. on the benches during during weightlifting, 
And I just remember like one day, like everybody in the weight in the weight room is just eyeing me and eyeing me. And I'm like, man, F this, like left like halfway, <laughs> left workout halfway through, didn't shower, got dressed, just walked to the next class. Like, why are you so early? I was like, I just, you know, really am excited for class today, Mr. So-and-so. Here I am. <laughs> hey, hey, we at Stories Inside the Man Cave, we are advocates of team hazing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. Don't do that. Yes, do not do that anymore. That's definitely not out there. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jay. Um, we appreciate you jumping on, man. You uh you've got to experience quite a bit, some great stories and you know, good friend. And you know, you if you had a place a percentage on it, I guess if you could take a look into that crystal ball, percentage of you coaching somewhere in the state of Texas or here in Austin next season? Um, I'm probably going to stay somewhere. I don't know. I mean, who knows what God has in store for me, right? Uh, my preference is um, we're going to stay in Austin. Uh, this, is, this is what we're going to call home. Um, we want our daughter to grow up and be a Longhorn, just like my wife and I. Uh, so. Um, you know, whether that means me, you know, doing something else or, or, you know, going somewhere else, maybe going to the NFL and, um, you know, having a home base here. Uh, that's something that my wife and I have talked about. Uh, I've also talked about, you know, possibly being a high school coach. And, and I've also said, said this, you know, hey, if, if the head football coach at the University of Texas needs me for any, any, anything at all uh, in the coaching realm, I'm down. So, um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going to end up or what's going, what's going to happen, what God has in store. Uh, I got some things out there working right now. You know, God's always working for you, even when you don't understand uh, what's happening at the time. Uh, so I just really believe that, you know, I guess to answer your question, Sean, it's probably a pretty high percentage that I'll be somewhere here in Texas. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, man. That's uh, it's, it's been awesome, fun. Man. Yeah, it is. And we, yep. are, we, are, we are behind you 100%. There's no doubt about that. And uh, you're, you're a member of our, our little fraternity here now. And anytime you want to jump in here with us, you let us know. And uh, hopefully we can post-COVID happen soon so we can all get out together. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Thank yep. you, guys. I appreciate you. Absolutely, JB. Uh, we'll wrap things up with segment two. As the Man K boys, we will talk everything about UT football related. Jay Bullwear, much love, and we'll see you soon, and we will wrap things up on the other side of this break. Much respect, Jay. Good job, buddy. Appreciate, Appreciate it, Jay. Appreciate hey, Jay. you. Hook them. Big ups to the ATX area and all who helped RBI reach their annual fundraising goal at the year's end of 2020. Hey, this is Sean Clench, the host of Stories Inside the Man Cave, and I'm also a mentor for RBI. It's an organization entering its second decade and continues to make a significant difference in the lives of 1,295 inner city kids through baseball, softball, and a mentorship program. Over $85,000 was raised in the year-end fundraising drive. And coming up on January 28th, our annual Now at Bat Dinner and Silent Auction will take place at the beautiful Dell Diamond in Round Rock. ESPN baseball reporter Pedro Gomez will emcee the event 
and Sam Acho will be the keynote speaker. To reserve your table or purchase a ticket, visit rbiaustin.org. Welcome back as we are on the final stretch of episode 51. Hardball Harge, Big Mike working away in his, uh, I, I don't know why I was going to say studio, but this guy is producing hats galore, as you can see the view right here. We just had Jay Bulware, uh, longtime college football coach, assistant at some great programs, won a national title at Auburn, several conference championships at the school, at that other school, he said, fellas, OU. What was your takeaway? Because Jay is a classy individual. He didn't blame anything in the past. The guys will be hired by somebody, and he will be a productive member of the coaching fraternity. What, for each of you, what was your takeaway from that interview? I'll go first, Murphy. Um, my biggest takeaway was, like you said, Sean, he's a class act. He knows the game. He's been in the game. He's, he's went through the struggles. He's been on championship teams. He came here in a situation during a pandemic. COVID year, and he still got the mess out of his guys. I know a lot of people were talking about the special teams, and he was supposed to be the special teams coach. And, you, you know, a lot of people were judging our special teams. But let me just say this in, in his defense, and he may not like it, he may like it, but I'm just telling you this. When he was at that, that other school up north, those guys were special in special teams. When he came to Texas – that people were trying to figure out what's the problem, what's going on. Maybe there were some other things that were happening that we're not privy to, right? Because you don't go from having an elite special team. Because every time C.D. Lamb touched the ball, every time Ryan Broyles touched the ball, every time somebody from that other school touched the ball, they had to find a way. They found a way to get to it. Hell, I didn't even know about his situation with uh, Michael Turner at Northern Illinois, that's outstanding. That dude went on to play in the NFL for a long time. This dude is a class act. He is somebody that I definitely will see somewhere else. And I want to see his growth. I want to continue to see his pattern because he had heart arrhythmia that shortened his player career and he jumped right into coaching and he's been coaching ever since then. So I'm happy for the guy. I hope nothing but the best. It was a bad situation here at the University of Texas for everybody involved. For one year. And then they now they have to move on. But one thing I do know, he is a lifetime Longhorn, and he loves the University of Texas. That's what I got from it, Hard, is that he, no matter coach, player, fan, doesn't matter. That dude loves the University of Texas and only wants to see the University of Texas succeed, right? So as far as, you know, we didn't – we didn't really go dive into the hard questions because, you know, one, it's, he's still trying to be, you know, right. be a coach on the University of Texas. We don't want to put him in a bad light or anything like that, right? For the people like, oh, those are softball questions. Well, you got to, you also need to have respect. You got to read the room and everything else, guys. But, and that's he, where people miss it. They don't read the room, Mike. Yeah. And that was a great point. Yeah. You got to, you got to read the room. So, you know, he, he kind of alluded to it that there needs to be, you know, things that need to be done that need to be successful that maybe weren't being successful. And I think he sees it, which shows me that maybe his voice wasn't being heard. Hello. If he's, which he's is, which it. is mind blowing to me. If you just came from let's fucking Oklahoma, who's whooped your ass the last like eight, nine years on average. And you're not going to be like, tell us what they're doing. We need to be like, oh, okay, you're saying that. We should do that. 
because clearly there, there, he knows some. There is some secret sauce person. up there, right? Tremendous. Yeah. Endless. Well, people weren't listening. People obviously people weren't listening. So it's just I'm I was really impressed with him and and how you know he also took ownership. He didn't use the pandemic as an excuse. Right. He didn't use a bunch of other stuff. He took the ownership. He was like, "Fuck it, we didn't do what we needed to do." And well, that's a pill that all the coaches are going to have to swallow, not just some of them, all of them. You had their expectations, and we fell short. So I I mean he he sees it. He he does it. I hope he gets an opportunity here at Texas. Um, what he did with the tight ends in that tight end room and the way the progression of Jared Wiley and Kate Brewer and all that, I, I feel like he kind of earned the right to say, look, give me, let me keep going show you. I look what I've done. This is who I've been around. I've won championships. I've, I was at OU. Like, let me, let I, I'm, I'm a valued asset to you. You know what I mean? That's Tremendous. I hope he gets that opportunity. Here, I, I want to go off on that. Just to, as we're, we're kind of making this seamless transition with each other's responses here. The thing that bothers me the most, and I know it's the industry, and I know we're talking about Texas, and because we, I think we all can agree, Texas needs to find out who they are. Find out who they are. And I know he said we're Texas. I get it. I get it. But the individuals, the power brokers, the, the, uh, the donors, the bo- bo- boosters, whatnot, and some fans, and I don't ever want to blame fans because they're paying for this product. They can say whatever they want, but it's too extreme. So how do I relate that to Jay Bulware? The one positive that he had gained out of this, that Tom Herman stepped up to the plate, he got him and those other new coaches three-year deals. So they're taken care of financially. Now, you guys probably heard this as well a couple of times. Tom Herman – is needs to mature. He had no business taking over this program now that what I'm hearing, because there were trust issues with like Jay and some of these other ones having to earn his trust and to play off of what you guys said about the other assistants. It's that's the part about Tom that I think hurt him. And as because that was one year, you got to give these guys more of an opportunity, but the leash was short for Tom and you hate I, that for a guy like Jay. Well, there was a short leash, right? Yes, I agree. I, maturity wise. I heard, I've heard some stuff from different people that, yeah, there's some crazy stuff that went on all the way up to rumors of infidelity and everything else. Right. right. Just from the whole top notch, which, which I think too, to piggyback on what you're saying, when CDC came out and gave his endorsement, and we were kind of sitting there and we did our little podcast when Sark got hired last week. And we were like, so what else is there? Clearly there was something deeper. Well, the more we've all done research, the more we've learned, like there was deeper stuff that, that was going on that clearly came to light after the, the initial endorsement. Now, the thing about that is it would sucks is like now, you know, someone like Jay, who's, yeah, okay, he got the endorsement. I'm safe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be good. But on the flip side, yes, on the other side of the coin, he's he's set. He got guaranteed contracts. They're they're gonna pay him out. It, it, but he wants to be here, right? And it, to go back to your Herman thing, I I think you know with all the rumors, yeah, probably. I I don't know if if Texas was the next step for him from Houston. It might have been a little too daunting. I remember when I got promoted from Highland Mall, which was like the size of my office. I mean, there's only like 500 square feet to uh, North Park Mall in Dallas. I remember walking in and being like, oh, fuck, I'm in over my head. Like, this thing's fucking huge. How am I going to handle all this? And then you're having to – and I had ups and downs and 
and wound up, you know, leaving, coming back, having to go to a smaller store because it's, it was too daunting. I wasn't mentally prepared to run that and, and mature enough to do it. Right. My mind was in other places. So I think that this is going to be a wake up call for Herman. You hope, you hope. Cause if not, you know, are you, is, is he that stubborn to say, fuck this, damn, that's their fault. That I was doing great. I just needed a chance. Or was it, all right, it's time to look in the mirror and say, look, you fucked up. You had, you, you didn't do what you needed to do. Let's regroup and let's get it going. Yeah. Yeah. Arch. Yeah. I mean, the, the the whole thing about the firing and the new hiring and the off the the field stuff i played professional baseball for 13 years there's always going to be something that that happens right it's a matter to mike's point some people are made for certain situations some people work their way into certain situations and some people are granted things that are 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 too quick for them to understand they think they're ready, but they're not ready. And, and we all think we can handle any position that we're given because we're competitors, right? right? But sometimes the success doesn't add up and you're not ready to, to handle that, that mantle, that be given that torch, so to speak. Uh, I think Tom Herman was in over his head. I think he wasn't prepared to, because when he, when he was at Ohio State, it was Urban Meyer, right? right? When he went to Houston, it was him, but that's a smaller market. That's a Conference USA. That is, you're not in the limelight. And when you do these types of things, and, you know, everybody saw him beat Florida State. Well, I mean, we could have went back and looked at that and said Florida State didn't want to be there. They were playing the University of Houston, right? But just like everybody said Georgia didn't want to be there. They were playing Texas. You know, I mean, Sean, you and I were there when – Bevo tried to run over the damn, the damn Ugga, you know? So when you look at those types of situations, you want to figure out a way to make this thing happen. And I thought it was too big for, for Herman, just like Sarkeesian. When he first got that job, I mean, it was, it was a lot to take on for him. And he, he wasn't prepared for it. He was, he, was, he was Lincoln Riley before Lincoln Riley. He was the savant. He was McVay, as we talked about. He was McVay before McVay. And now he's had time to take a step back, look at everything. He's putting together a hell of a coaching staff right now. And you start looking at some of the reports, so to speak. And he's bringing some people back that knows the state of Texas where they can recruit because he said we got to stop letting the talent leave Texas. The only problem that I have with that, the only problem that I have with that is Herman said the same thing, right? Herman said, "We not let. We gotta close our walls. We gotta close the borders." Well, and, said that and people kept laughing, and people kept leaving. So, Sark bringing in the right people is going to be key as far as recruiting. Obviously, Brian Carrington needs to stick around because he's a very vital part of it. Bringing in Blake Gideon by all reports, Blake Gideon is going to be here. Blake knows the state of Texas better than anybody. His dad's part of the coaches association. He's going to have access to some of these coaches that most people won't get access to. I just know this. The move that was made had to be made because Herman put the pressure on the boosters. Herman put the pressure on the Board of Regents. He put it on Jay Hartzell. I think think this move was made above uh, Chris Del Conte. Yep. Because Chris Del Conte, as you said, Mike, you, you know, he gave us the vote of confidence. And, like, 
but it wasn't a full endorsement. It was kind of a half-ass backhand endorsement. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is where I believe that every Longhorn fan, regardless of this was the hire that you wanted, not wanted, you need to shut the hell up and let this man do his thing and support him. Support him because we're so separated in everything that we do. Stop it. The madness yeah. needs to stop and quit thinking you know more than everybody else and just let this man go to work. And, and that's the program. Yeah. Can they do that? Can the fan base sit no, down and shut no, up and let him my, do that? You know better you got, than I mean, that, look man. at Look at some of the clowns, and I'm going to call you people clowns. If you listen and you were one of them, then you're one of the clowns. And BK did this huge thing on, on the radio the other day, and I was pretty proud of, of our friend Brad Kellner over at 104 on the Horn. He was like, I'm sorry that I forgot every, all of you were perfect and that nobody went through anything in their life and that people are like, oh, well, Six Street's exactly going to be right. happy and – I'm going to have a shot for him. I guess we'll see him over here. And then, man, first of all, and I'm sorry, like, if you wear my hats, I, I'm not trying to be rude to you or anything else, but fuck y'all for saying that. You should be better. Do better. Have integrity. Be supportive. You can have your, your frustrations and everything else, but be, be supportive, right. right? At this, at this be point. Be supportive. That's it. Just be supportive. That's, because you love the university, like, you know, everybody talking about they love America. If you love the university like that, Sit your ass down. Let this man come in and do his job. Support him every step of the way. Yes, we're going to be critical. Yes, we're going to be questionable. We're going to ask certain things. But at the end of the day, let that man do his job because Texas is not as attractive to people anymore because of your stupidity of being better than thou. You're not better than thou. Far from it. Far from it. Yes. And if you're you're going to be critical of people, chill the F out. Because like you said, you're not perfect. You got fired from your job before. You're not the head of the freaking thing. It, it, it's annoying to me because Texas has not been elite in a very long time. And people continue to think that they are because they become elitist, not elite. And, that, and that's the attitude that pushes away people. People say, well, you go – and I th- we've talked about this through texting threads. I, you know, this isn't the first time we've heard this. this don't is- go full Aggie. Yeah, don't go full Aggie. But coaches now say, you want to go to Texas, go there to get paid. Because they know that they have a short leash to begin with. They paint this picture. Here, we'll dump all this money on you. But there's no internal support on how to groom people from the outside and groom you for this job. You don't just pay somebody in magic sprinkle. I know Herman said it sprinkles what pixie dust on it, and all of a sudden you become champions. Yeah. And I, Herman will be a better coach, and uh, it'll probably be a damn good coach in five years as a head coach. Maybe. I, mean, I hope so. I, I, ho- I honestly hope so that he's, he works it out and he, he, he learns from it, right? As long as you can learn from your situation, you can grow and you can be a better person. Um, I just think, man, I mean, I didn't hear Sarkeesian tell me winning's really, really hard in his interview with the media, right? Um, right. And then you know what else I liked about Sark, dude? Sark owned his past. He's like, you know yeah. what, dude, I work on it. I work on it every single day. Like, it's, this, it's not cured. It's a disease. And the thing, too, is like, you know, he was going through stuff. So let's talk staff. I mean, we've had some people say, like, you know, he was going to try and get Muschamp. Muschamp turned it down. Did you want Muschamp? Did you want any of those people? 
I think we need fresher blood than that. The only person that I want out of everybody is I want freaking Dwayne Aquina. That's it. You think he gets him? I hope so, but I'm saying if you ask me if I wanted somebody, that would be like your wish person. list. That's your, that, That's, he's on your that, wish list. He is my number one on my wish list because our DBs haven't turned the ball over, right? We don't make plays on the ball. We're, we're in good position, but then we get mossed. We're in good position, but we're not making plays on the ball because if you go back and look over the last four years, we haven't done anything to get a bunch of turnovers. That's the thing that I'm talking about. If we can get some turnovers, then things will happen. And then last but not least, I want to have a thousand yard back. We have not had a thousand yard back since what? Uh, Deontay Foreman. No. He was the last thousand yard, and he was actually two thousand. So I guess that gave us a grace period. So he had two yeah. of them. Yeah. But yeah, dude, that buys about, you an extra two years. <laughs> right, Damn. right, right. So then you look at it. Bijan Robinson would have been a thousand yard back. Easy in this offense. But we, we coddled him. And, and, and it goes to show this, too. Stan Drayton tweeted out something the other day that was talking about the rushing guys behind Steve Sarkeesian's offense. They all were 1,000-yard rushers. They were big-time players. They were all this stuff. They were all that goes people. to show me. But that goes to show me Stan Drayton, because, Mike, you asked me, was that Stan Drayton? Was that Tom Herman? All that right. stuff about the rotation. You asked me that? I think Stan Drayton just told us it was Herman because how are we not getting those guys into the game and you're going to post something. Oh. So that shows me, Hey, you ain't got no stroke, Stan Drayton. What's the deal? You should have been able to tell them, look, Bijan got the hot hand. Keep giving him the rock until, he taps, his, until he taps his helmet and say, I'm coming out. Okay. Well, I love Rojo. Rojo is one of my favorite players yeah. because he sacrificed a lot to be, do that for this team two years ago. I love me some Rojo. And he every time he touches the ball, he, he gets yards. But Bijan Robinson is somebody that will run the rock all day. And I don't want to hear nothing about preserving him. Adrian Peterson He's a bell got cow, the ball. man. But when, when Adrian Peterson went to Oklahoma, they didn't sit his ass. Hell no, they didn't. Facts. A freshman. Facts. I think, guys, we can read between the lines if you – what Jay Bulware said, he did it in the classiest way, appreciative. Read between the lines. We all know what this, what it pointed to. There was one constant, and you read all the tweets, as you mentioned, from Stan Drayton and some other coaches too. It's, well, and the players. And that's yeah. the thing about I went back and read a lot of the players. A lot of the players were like, you know, he wasn't perfect, but he gave me an opportunity. That right there tells you, that shows you that there is stuff going on. So clearly, yes. Like, the rumors are true. Kids were telling people not to come to the University of Texas who were at the University of Texas because it was that toxic. That's a kids good were point. Going to, kids, kids were going to transfer out. They knew that. Probably, you know, we don't know all the names, but some of them are pretty decent. I think that, for the most part, it's, guys, we, gotta, we just got to make sure, like, one, fan base, don't be toxic. Two, be supportive. I mean, but the thing, too, Harge, how many wins does Sark have to have next year to get the fan base off of it? That's the biggest thing. That's why I'm sitting there like, come on, man. We just went seven and three, and the coach got fired. In a pandemic year. In a pandemic year, and the coach got fired. Now, and he left I, it in a better shape. And he left it in better shape. So, you know, people are going to be like, man, we should win a we, we national championship. Shut up. Win the Big 12 first. Get win to the, the Big 12. 12. Get to the <laughs> National Championship first. 
Quit thinking that you have hung the moon. Let's get to a Big 12 championship game, and then we can start expecting things. Right now, don't expect anything. Show up, support, hope our team is in the game, and hope we win, and just say, all right, I'm seeing the movement, I'm seeing the meter go up, or I'm seeing it go down. That is how you base it. Right now, we're 0-0, brand-new coach, brand-new staff, which is something that we went through before. But hopefully, hopefully, in all honesty, that this team gets an opportunity to go through spring practice with their coaches, get to meet these guys, spend some time with the new strength and conditioning guys, and get a chance to grow. Because last year, they didn't have any of that. This year, I yeah. hope these kids get an opportunity to mesh with these guys. And after game three, then we can start saying, oh, we see this, we see that. I don't care about game one. I don't care about game two. Because game one, Louisiana, Lafayette coming in here, the Rangers, Rangers, you better get your ass in place. Better buckle that chin strap, baby. Yeah, you better double strap that thing. You better <laughs> double strap it. I'll tell you this. Uh, people also – and we're not pouring on the program. We are. We pour out facts. Get in your head that over the last 40 years, this is a mediocre program with a few championships sprinkled in it. Not national championships, only one. Okay? And well, that's the thing. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the thing, dude. Like, national championships. We just had the 15-year anniversary. It has been 15 <laughs> years since we've been in a championship. Why do we sit here and hold this, like, Hold us so high, like, oh, well, we were in there in 09. That was 11 years ago, people. <laughs> 11 years ago, we were in a, in a national championship. And then the difference between us and Alabama, Alabama was in that national championship. They continued to climb because they had structure and they had support. And the boosters were like, we're going to ride with this guy where all we've done is this. And then we'll do this. And don't forget, we wanted to get rid of Mac Brown because he had a nine-win season with a bowl game. Nine win season with a bowling. Four head coaches now in the last 10 or 11 years. Call it, call it three because Mac was here forever. Call it three. This is our third coach since Mac Brown. Yeah. And some, some jabronis were realizing they fucked up and were like, bring back Mac Brown. Right. right. Literally, we're like, bring back Mac Brown. You, you but it's not Mac Brown. It's his staff. It's his staff. That's the thing. Like, it's your staff. No, it's and if you have – If you have – don't bring – yeah, sorry, Steve Sarkeesian, bring great people. Don't bring Houston's offensive and defensive coordinators, right? Oh, we did so well at Houston. You were a mid-major, bro. Like, you should have gone out. Then you went and got Chris Ash and Yurchich, which I think they probably could have been pretty good if they had had a full year yeah. with all their seams. And I think if he brings back Chris Ash, that defense would be pretty solid. But that's just me. It, it just a, It's a reflection in the mirror, not of the football coaching staff. It's of the entire organization, including well, it, fans. It, yeah, yeah. It starts from the top, and it starts with the boosters backing the fuck up, which they won't. And that's, that's someone, someone asked. Was it hard? Did you ask this? That they were like, can, can, can Sarkeesian even handle everything that he has to do at Texas? Right, and that's the thing that bothers me the most is because, you know, you got to do LHN. You got to do the booster meetings. You got to go hang out in the hobnog with all these people instead of just going out there and being able to be a football coach. Now, I understand you got booster club and all that other stuff for the high school coaches, but it's not on this level. And, you know, I remember Chip telling me this a long time ago. He was like, 
you got to know who you are when you come to the University of Texas and you got to be locked in and comfortable as who you are. And it's tough, man, because there's so many different entities that are pulling at you. And if people don't understand that, and the boosters that I'm talking to, if they don't understand, listen, man, y'all have to be chill. Let this man, if you want to go out and have conversations with your golf buddies and you want to be the king of the golf conversation because your team is winning, let him start winning first Yeah. before yeah. you put all that pressure on him. And let if him you're the booster, yeah. Go ahead. Let him do him, man. Let him do him. And if you're those boosters, how many of those boosters are going to be like, oh, that's okay, coach, have a drink with us? Yeah, yeah. Knowing, knowing that he's a recovering alcoholic. Like, come on, man. Right, man. I just, I hope, I really it's hope. It's a tough that situation. Very tough. From what you were, from what you said earlier, Mike, and all the stuff away from the field that that maybe Tom Herman was involved in, and I'm not, a, I'm not saying he is, but we've heard rumors. It. Think about that. This is a guy that we were trying to hide his discretions right we were trying to hide his demons this guy was publicly talked about with his demons he got fired publicly for some things that he did let's let him make it until he gets here man let's like like you said bk said it perfectly i mean i'm sorry that everybody is perfect and they don't have to deal with any of these issues man the people that are cussing him out or talking about his issues are the ones that got the issues right you know, I mean, don't want to look in the mirror. Right. Because just because your job doesn't put you in the spotlight, you got some shit that's going on too, bro. So take it easy, man. Quit throwing stones if you're living in a glass house. That's been a problem right. here for a long, long time. And uh, they need to they need to break that glass in their glass house, that, that uh, Texas uh, glass house, if you will, because they need yeah. some window panes. It's uh. It's, it's bizarre, fellas. But I think I think I, I'm not trying to be the eternal optimist, but I think we may be moving in the right direction of change across the table as far as points of view. Um, UT hoops, guys, number four in the country, uh, final four caliber, perhaps. But that is a topic that we will be able to talk about beginning next week because those guys are, are starting to make a lot of people believers that they are a final four team. Wouldn't you agree? They're legit, legit, man. They hustle. I can't wait to talk about them next week. Yeah, absolutely guys. It's been a pleasure as always. And uh, thank you to Jay Bullware and never know. He may be wearing that burnt orange again uh, this season. Uh, we'll find out, but uh, he will be an asset to anybody. And we thank him for joining us and for the absent coach Mo, who is making young athletes strong and fast. And Hardball Hards and Big Mike, we out. Be great today, people. Be great. Take a damn nap today, people, because this world is killing us. Oh, it's crazy. Guys, we're moving to Canada. Canada. <laughs> we good, player.